Hi, I'm Gail Trotter, host of The Gail Trotter Show. I'm a liberty-loving, tyranny-hating lawyer based in your nation's capital. My goal is to keep you informed and to be your spokesman in Washington, D.C. Last night, we observed the fourth night of the Republican National Convention, and it was such a stark contrast from what we saw offered by the Democrats at their convention last week. And I just want to go through some of the highlights about the people that we saw speaking to us, the American voter, last night at the convention. But first, I want to give you an update on what met people who support President Trump, Americans just like you, just like me, when they emerged from the RNC convention speeches at the White House last night. Let me share that with you. So first, Senator Rand Paul, who you might remember was assaulted by his neighbor a couple of years ago and ended up losing a lung because of the damage that he sustained from that violent physical attack. He shared with um, the American people how he was basically threatened to his life by a mob that confronted him and his wife outside of the White House after the speech given by President Trump to accept his nomination for president by the Republican Party. And I've linked to this article down below, and I'm also showing it to you right now. It's entitled, Senator Rand Paul thanks, thanks the DC cops for saving him from crazed mob after the RNC. And the subheadline is just got attacked by an angry mob of over 100, one block away from the White House, Paul tweeted. Going into the article, Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul opens up about being surrounded by protesters after leaving the White House. That doesn't sound like peaceful protesting to me. Does it sound like peaceful protesting to you? Uh, he was attacked by a crazed mob of more than 100 people after leaving this speech at the White House. And the DC police jumped in to provide support and protection for Senator Rand Paul. Police formed a wall around Paul and his wife, Kelly Paul, as protesters chanted, Breonna Taylor and no justice, no peace. The senator and his wife didn't appear to be injured. And this goes into the details about what the protesters were doing. And this article also has the video from uh, what happened that last night to Senator Paul and his wife. And I just wanna share with you that this is the stark contrast. This is the choice in 2020, jobs or mobs, peaceful protesting, or violent uh, assaults on people. I also saw a video last night of another group of people who were leaving the White House after having watched President Trump's acceptance speech of the nomination. And this, this guy, this young guy ran up to an older woman, we'll call her a mature woman, and he flicked her off and got in her personal space and ran at her. And clearly terrified this poor woman who had just been participating in a core fundamental American right of, of politics, free speech, being part of her political uh, 
the political process that ensures all of our rights and for the crime of being part of that celebration at the White House, she was assaulted by this young person who came out of nowhere. And that's what the Democrats are are stirring up and they're promising more of that. They're giving rhetorical support. They're marching with people like this. They are not speaking out against this. They're not telling their supporters, don't do this. This is wrong. This is against humanity. This is not who we as Democrats stand, stand for, not what we as Democrats stand for. And we're not hearing any of that from the left. Uh, definitely this week when the polls went down for Joe Biden, we saw an effort by the Democrats to try and disavow a little bit of the more extreme uh, actions by the left, by the people who are out terrorizing people on the streets. But there is no firm commitment to standing against this type of intimidation, physical intimidation of people. So I wanna share with you Another thing that came to mind for me, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, Greek trilogy of plays called the Oresteia, and it dealt with Agamemnon and Clytemnestra, and I studied this in college, and I found it very interesting to go back to the foundations of civilization and understand how we set up our system of laws and the way that we govern ourselves. I've shared with you several times before that politics is all about how we order our lives together. And this trilogy of Greek plays is very fascinating. I, if you've never had a chance to read this trilogy, I highly recommend, recommend it to you. It's very dramatic. And it talks about the principle of vengeance in opposition to the principle of the rule of law. So in more primitive societies, you would see this vengeance narrative. You would see that someone would wrong someone else and then the people who were the community of the person who was wrong, they would exact a vengeance against the perpetrators. And obviously there's no end to that. There's no justice. And it's a cycle of violence and hatred that continues to be perpetrated from generation to generation to generation. And this Greek trilogy talks about this, how people finally understood this and it moved to a system of litigation, a system of laws, so that what happens could be litigated instead of having a vigilante justice or the idea that you had to go get vengeance yourself on those who harmed you or your community. So I think we're seeing that right now on the streets of America. There are people who don't want to abide by the rule of law anymore. There are people who don't want to go through the hard work of convincing the American voter that their policies and their suggestions are the right way to go for our society. Instead, these people want to flick off women. They want to assault them and they want to intimidate politicians like Rand Paul instead of actually working through the system as we have set it up and it has been handed down to us 
by the founding fathers who set up this incredible system that has promoted the most liberty in the entire history of the world and fought tyranny in the best way possible as well. So I have something else to share with you as evidence of this point that I am trying to share with you today. Um, we're going to go to this uh, video by Brandon Straka. We interviewed Brandon at CPAC this year. I'm going to link down below. He's a former Democrat who had the scales drop from his eyes. He had a conversion experience and he realized that the Democrats do not live up to their values. And as I have tried to make the case over and over again, the top value of the Democrat Party in 2020 is power, obtaining more power, holding on to power, increasing their power. And Brandon saw through all of that. He attended the uh, speech last night at the White House. And as he was exiting, this is what befell him and his friends. Let me share this with you now. And let me give you a warning that there's some harsh language in this. So uh, if you're at work or around children, you might want to mute it until the video is over. Oh, really? 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 Literally walking down the sidewalk. For the record, we were walking down the street minding our own business. And you just physically assault. Look up the crime bill. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm free All right. You get away from me. You get away from me. <laughs> So that is extremely difficult to watch and I just feel so hurt for Brandon that he was just walking on the street and he heard these terrible slurs uh, targeting him and his friend and he endured a physical assault. They not only were verbally assaulting these gentlemen, they also knocked the phone out of their hand. And when someone's coming at you, you don't know what they're going to do. They're, are they just going to knock a phone out of your hand? Are they going to punch you? Are they going to harm you? And it is terrifying that on the streets of my beloved city, the capital of the free world, Washington, D.C., that people can under, undergo such uh, targeted political harassment and assault. It is horrifying. And that's what the Democrats want to give us more of. They want to defund the police. They want to support this type of uh, action and call it peaceful. But you can see from the videos with your own eyes that that's anything but peaceful. And so we're also seeing a lot of videos from last night. I'm gonna share this other video of another interaction from last night. Uh, now, this was outside of St. John's Church where you might remember the protesters, the supposed protesters, I would call them writers, caught it on fire uh, last month. 
But then um, we go down a little bit further and I'm gonna share this video with you, not the whole thing, but a little bit of it. You know, that's just too painful to watch. I can't watch any more of that. But to think of all of the brave black Americans who spoke at the RNC this week, who talked about how the land of opportunity has enabled them to create change in their own personal lives, in the lives of their families, in the lives of their community, and to hear someone in 2020 calling someone that terrible racist slur is just heartbreaking. And I think it is just a real a stark reminder to all of us what the Democratic Party stands for right now. So I want to go to this other article that was posted today that I found to be very, very interesting. I've shared with you earlier this week that uh, I believe that a lot of people held their nose in 2016 and voted for Donald Trump. There were many, many enthusiastic voters for Donald Trump. There was a segment of people who didn't like Donald Trump. They didn't think he would live up to his promises, even though they liked what his campaign was promising. And then there were the never Trumpers. And we have seen breathless reports by the media talking about how all these Republicans have endorsed Joe Biden. And this is an article by David Marcus in The Federalist. And the title is Why This Ex Never Trumper Wants Four More Years. How I Came to Embrace a President's president I once feared and detested. And I just love this. I, I'm going to link down below to it. I highly recommend read the whole piece, but just to give you a little flavor of it. In October of 2016, James Taranto wrote in the Wall Street Journal that I was one of the two or three most intense never Trumpers we've ever encountered all year. He was right. From the moment Donald Trump descended the golden escalator, I hoped his shoelaces would get caught in it. My criticism of Trump was relentless and brutal. I exposed his connections to mafia figures. I latched on to any vague allegation of racism I could find. I didn't just want him to lose, I wanted to lose him in a landslide. Flash forward to 2020, what does David Marcus say now? Thursday night, as I watched my president accept the nomination of the Republican Party for the second time, I fully realized how wrong I had been. This is not new for me. I'm wrong a lot. I am, after all, the guy who ran an article called Anthony Scaramucci is the man Trump needs two hours before he got fired. But this was different. This time, realizing I was wrong and interrogating why told me a lot about myself, my country, and what I want for both. 
So I wanted to share that with you because I think we're going to see a lot of that in this election year. I think, the, I think Donald Trump has not lost a single one of his enthusiastic voters from 2016. If anything, they are going to crawl over broken glass to make sure that they can get to the polls and vote for Donald Trump in 2020. I think a lot of the voters who supported Donald Trump in 2016 but were reluctant now know that Donald Trump has delivered on his promises and they are going to make sure that they get their votes in too. And then people like David Marcus, who hated Donald Trump, who wanted him, as he said, to get caught on his shoelace on the escalator as he descended to announce his campaign in July of 2015, they are strong Donald Trump supporters. And uh, I'm going to go through a couple of the highlights from the convention last night. But that was something that was part of that theme of the convention last night, the land of greatness. And we heard from a lot of Democrats who have disavowed what the Democrat Party stands for now, and they have fully embraced the Republican Party, and they're going to be voting for Donald Trump November 3rd, 2020. We heard from one woman who said that she still is a liberal. But for her, the Democrat Party is not what liberalism is anymore. And she is going to vote for President Trump. We heard from people in distressed housing neighborhoods in New York City who have been the recipients of work by Ben Carson and Lynn Patton to try and improve their situation. And they contrasted what the federal government is doing for them compared to what Mayor Bill de Blasio is not doing for them. And certainly we want stuff at the local level first, but when you have a complete abdication of help from the government at the local level, it's good to see the Trump administration stepping in to try and improve things for those who are in our most vulnerable communities. So I think just running through some of the highlights of the speeches last night, we had Ivanka Trump, we had obviously President Trump accepting the nomination, and we had luminaries from the Republican political world like Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Mitch McConnell. And what I loved the most was that there weren't a lot of Republican politicians because as we heard Burgess Owen say yesterday, we need more chimney sweeps in Washington, D.C. than we need career politicians. So some of the very inspiring speeches we heard, um, Sean Rays got up, and I can't repeat all the wonderful words he said, but he spoke in Japanese and Tagalog and Spanish and English and addressed the convention, and he talked about his very diverse heritage, and he's now serving as Utah's Attorney General. He talked about his father who just recently passed away and how one of the things that he works so hard to uh, make sure that justice is assured is on behalf of his father, who was a real hero. So that was a very heartwarming story. And that's what we heard from the Republicans all this week about the fact that we are not limited by our means or our circumstances. America is the land of opportunity. It's the land of greatness. It's the land of heroes. 
And we heard from speaker after speaker, regular Americans who talk about how the Trump administration has increased opportunity for all Americans. And you can see it from the lumber mills in Minnesota to the truckers to all these different businesses that have suffered so much under the Obama-Biden administration for eight years. And the Trump administration has turned that all around. And granted, the coronavirus put a huge, uh, terrible break to all the progress that the Trump administration had been making. But the, the, the campaign made this point over and over again, and all the speakers President Trump built up, built up our economy once. He, he empowered the American people. He unleashed the energy and the uh, enthusiasm of the American people to build, build, build. And who do you want to build back the economy after this pandemic better than President Trump, who's already proven that he can do it once? This pandemic was a once in a, in a hundred years event. And it's something that we need to recover from. And the Trump administration is completely, completely behind opening the schools safely and getting our economy back on track. So we also heard from Patrick Lynch, who was the head of uh, New York City uh, policemen and police women's organization. And he talked about how he's never seen New York City, which is really the crown jewel of large cities in America. It inspires lots of songs. It inspires people the world over to go to New York City and make it there um, if you can't make it anywhere. And that is something that is just an iconic part of the United States. And yet, we've seen it descend economically under Mayor Bill de Blasio. We've seen the violence increase. And the Democrats do not offer any hope for changing that around. And Patrick Lynch talked about that as a police officer, someone who uh, speaks out on behalf of police, police officers around the country and how it just saddens him so much to see that. Related to that, we saw the, the mayor of America, America's favorite mayor, Rudy Giuliani, speak about the devastation that we've seen wrought in New York City. And I will never forget how his voice broke as he talked about a young child in a stroller being shot. And that is not what we want in our country, in our communities. And to see the passion that Rudy Giuliani brought to his speech last night, I think speaks so much to how people are so focused on improving and changing the direction, the bad direction that we're going in right now. We also heard from Ben Carson, and I just love Ben Carson. He talked about his mom and how she had him read all these books about doctors and entrepreneurs and great people that he could model his life on, and how she told him, do not be a victim. You are not a victim. And he took that to heart, and he shared such an inspiring message last night about America being the land of greatness. And he expressed so much compassion for the Blake family and for all the families that are dealing with the uh, outbreak of violence that we're seeing. And I think he spoke so poignantly towards that, that I hope you'll watch his speech, which I will definitely link to down below as well. And we heard from Dan Scavino, 
who was connected with President Trump when he was just a 16-year-old caddy, a golf caddy, and he was blown away meeting Donald Trump, and Donald Trump took him under his wing, and I had never heard this story before, and, and Dan has worked with uh, President Trump for a long time and can speak to his personal characteristics and attributes, so I highly recommend you watch that speech, too, if you didn't have a chance to check it out last night. Then we heard from Jeff Andrew, who's a former Democrat, and he realized that the Democrat Party had left him. He didn't leave the Democrat Party until the party had left him. And I think uh, that was a big part of the discussion last night, Democrats who feel alienated from their party and why that's the case. We also heard from Jerron Smith, who works for the Trump administration, a proud graduate of Howard University, and he talked about uh, the opportunities that he's had and the success that he has had, and I highly commend his speech for you to watch as well. And then I have to share with you the two speeches from last night. They weren't even really speeches. They were just sharing from the heart moments that were so gripping there there you know a lot of these conventions we forget about we forget about the people who spoke at them or their stories but these two stories i will never forget i think most americans will never forget these two stories the first was ann dorn wife of david dorn and i tweeted out uh, excerpts from her speech last night she talked about David Dorn and what a hero he was. He was a father, he was a brother, he was a husband, and he had retired from law enforcement and he was helping a friend who had a pawn shop. And on the worst nights of the rioting in his town, he got a call to go to the store because there had been an alarm raised and he went and checked it out and came home, fell back asleep with his wife and then she was still asleep when he got the second call to go back and check the same store that he was responsible for helping out his friend, and he didn't wake his wife. And she didn't know he had left. And when he got there, he was the murder victim of violent, evil people who didn't care about his life and didn't care about anything other than their own gratification. And she was asleep and she was woken up by a knock on her door and she couldn't understand why her husband wasn't answering the door because he would usually get up and answer things in the middle of the night. Finally, she got up. She's calling to her husband, no response. And then these were the terrible words that she shared that when she opened the door and she got the word that any family member of a law enforcement officer dreads hearing that her loved one had died in the line of protecting and serving others. And if you have no time to watch any other speech from last night, you must, you must watch Ann Dorn talk about the loss of her beloved and heroic husband, David Dorn. The other speech that I think is a can't miss from last night was also sharing from the heart. I followed very closely during the Obama-Biden administration what was happening in the Middle East. The Middle East holds a special place in my heart. As I've shared with you, 
I love history and archaeology, and the Middle East is the cradle of civilization. It is so inspiring to think about how our ancestors raised up, uh, raised us up from not being civilized to being civilized in all of these regions of the Mesopotamia, the Tigris, and the Euphrates, and we continue to see entrenched conflict in the Middle East, and we see spurts of progress, like the Trump administration helping Israel to uh, create this peace deal with the United Arab Emirates, but it is, it is a long, long slog to try and create peace in the Middle East. And so when Obama and Biden were in office, I was following the uh, proliferation of ISIS, their control, their establishment of a caliphate, and then they started beheading American journalists, and not only beheading them, but recording it and publishing these videos for the entire world to see, which you can just imagine the family members' devastation, not only at losing a family member, but losing them in such a gruesome, violent, hateful way. And then having the videos of the, the murders of their family members displayed for the entire world to see for all of history. And the Obama-Biden administration did nothing. They did nothing. They allowed ISIS, the cancer, to grow and metastasize and grow in power and influence. And so last night, in contrast to that, we heard from Marsha and Carl Mueller, and they held up a picture of their daughter, Kayla, and we were following that story so closely. She was held by the leader of ISIS, and she was was tortured, her head was shaved, she was raped repeatedly, and a fellow prisoner was able to smuggle out a letter that she had written to her parents. And if you did not have a chance to watch her parents' uh, speech to the American people last night, I highly, highly commend it to you. You should take time out right now and watch the speech from them. They talked about the lack of support that they received from the Biden-Obama administration. And I think the most devastating line that they shared with the American people last night was the fact that if President Trump had been in office when their daughter had been held a hostage, she would be alive right now. And that was such a scathing indictment of the Biden-Obama administration that I just, I, I just can't even imagine there's any stronger message that needs to go out. So I highly recommend that you watch that too. And I'm sure that you know that President Trump's speech was filled with his, his argument for why he has delivered on his promises and why you should vote for him in 2020. Ivanka looked lovely and she obviously does him a lot of honor being his daughter, same with Tiffany. I thought they both delivered excellent speeches to the American people. And President Trump's speech was very, very comprehensive. And there's no question he is full of vim and vigor. He is ready to go forward on behalf of the American people for the next four years. And I think that the 
RNC exceeded all expectations this week. And you see the, the stark contrast between the optimism, the build things up uh, idea of the Republican Party and the Trump administration, and the tear things down approach of the Democrats. And I am so grateful for you joining me today. Please subscribe below so you don't miss an episode and comment down to me if you had a chance to watch any of the speeches last night, what your favorite speech was, and let me know if you've also seen Ann Dorn and the Mueller's uh, speeches and comment on those as well. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to The Gail Trotter Show, right in D.C. Be sure to sign up for her mailing list on her website, gailtrotter.com. And also follow her on Twitter, at Gail Trotter, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe now, it's easy. Thanks for listening. Share the truth. Share The Gail Trotter Show.